This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this Saturday edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. Quick disclaimer, as always, for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine. You can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining us tonight from the city of Canton, Massachusetts, Jason Kelly. Jason? (sighs) Well, I've been better. Um, Obviously, we all know what happened at TD Garden. So it's all on the Red Sox now. Both barrels are pointed at the Red Sox for the rest of the summer. So um glad they're climbing back in it. But uh, yeah, all of Boston's attention is now on them. So they better get to it because, uh, yeah, they, they, they've been skating for a little bit. So uh, hopefully hopefully their uh, second half of the season is, is pretty good. Do you think there's any crime scene tape around the garden because the beatdown was so bad? <laughs> Oh man, there should be. Yeah, there should be. Jeez, what what a choke job. So hey, at least if the Red Sox don't make the playoffs, it won't be the biggest choke job in Boston in 2022. So <laughs> you got that going for them. Also joining us tonight from the mile high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. Andrew. I got nothing. <laughs> you got nothing. I watched the whole game. I'm not a basketball guy, but I watched the whole game and it was ugly right away almost. Well, halfway through the first. And correct me if I'm wrong, but did the Celtics beat themselves more than anything? More than the Golden State did? Probably. Yeah. I mean, turnovers and star players didn't show up so that certainly doesn't help yeah they had like 16 turnovers in game what was it game four or five and then they had 13 tonight just in the first half (laughs) so again not a basketball guy but i'm just comparing recent stats that i heard uh so yeah and uh, a lot we're getting into baseball like right now but a lot of Red Sox players were in attendance. Like all the key guys were there. Verdugo, Bogarts, 
so hopefully the lesson is, you know, this is how you don't play a championship. You know, this is what happens when you don't have it together. We've been very fortunate in our lifetime. I, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one who was alive in 1986, and I was only three. I don't know if I'm assuming I wasn't potty trained by that point. So no recollection of that World Series. So in our lifetime, we've never witnessed the Red Sox lose a championship. We had a painful couple of painful game sevens in the ALCS, but not nothing in the World Series. So we've been very blessed as far as that goes. Where on the pain scale does this rank like with like lost Patriots championships and and perhaps maybe those couple of Red Sox ALCS losses. I would say probably pretty low, right? Compared to uh, some of those others. Or is it high? I don't know. To me, because they made the finals, it's pretty high. Oh, is it? I, I put, okay. I, I put this right up there with the Patriots losing to the Giants. Um, Ooh, that's a- I would probably – I put it behind those because – Golden State was a better team than Boston. I don't think the Giants were a better team than the Patriots those years. Um, but it's it's top five. It's a top five painful loss for sure. Yeah. Even the couple of Bruins ones, he had a game seven loss to uh, St. Louis. Oh, yeah. The Bruins one was way worse because they were game seven. They should have won that series. At home, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is worse than that. So it, okay. it's top five, but it's not the worst. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was just curious to where they rank. I mean, I'm a I'm a baseball NASCAR guy, so weird breed. Um, yeah. All right. Um, so what we are going to talk about in this deep dives edition, we're close enough to halfway through the season. We have a very elite shortstop class again, or middle infield class, I should probably say. This winter. It consents, uh, consists, excuse me, of Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, and Dansby Swanson. So I'll start with Andrew. Which of those four guys is the most coveted of them all? Who's num- Who's going to be number one on most teams' wish lists as we go into November? You know, I am still going to say Carlos Correa. I, I, you know, I know that his market got, I, I'm going to say derailed with the weirdness that was the 2021-2022 offseason with the lockout, then the Rangers doing whatever the hell they did, throwing everything for a loop. Um yeah, I'm going to go – I'm still going with Greya. He had a hard start to the season, uh, but he's completely turned around. He's sitting up with, I think, about a 1.8 war, and he's missed some time, but he looks just like his old self. There were rumblings for a bit. It's like, oh, Jeremy Pena. Like, they didn't even need Correa. No, Gray is still really freaking good. And, you know, he's helping the Twins – kind of almost run away with that division at the, at the moment. Um, I don't know. I, I still think Correa, I, I believe he's still going to be the youngest or maybe Dansby might have him edged out a little bit, but Trey Turner's, I think about two weeks away from turn, uh, turning 29. Correa is still, you know, the spring chicken of the bunch. And I have the most confidence that, well, 
I guess it's, maybe it's a toss-up between him and Swanson, who will stay at short the longest uh, time. But, yeah, I, I'm going to stick to my guns here and say Carlos Correa will be the most coveted um, free agent middle infielder this offseason. Jason? Yeah, I think I agree. This is a tough one, but to me, Correa has everything you want from in terms of a complete player at shortstop. He is still the youngest. He's still just 27. Um, I don't know if he turns 28 this year or not, but Dansby's 28. Trey Turner's about to be 29. Bogarts is about to hit 30. Um, I, I think he's the best defensive shortstop of this group. And he's got power. And you look at some of the other guys, like Trey Turner, he's a really good player, but a lot of his game is predicated on his speed. And he's hitting 29. Once he gets to 32, is he still going to have that speed? Is he still going to have that explosiveness that is going to, you know, he he gets a lot of infield hits and steals a lot of bases. Is he still going to have that? I think that's going to diminish um, Xander Bogarts, look, we all love him here, but you know, it, he's, he's the oldest of the group. At what point does his bat start to decline? Now it shouldn't, but one thing that I think a lot of people will say is that his defense has declined. So defensively, the Red Sox are already looking at him saying, Hey, you've, you've got to move off shortstop. We don't trust you to stay there. Um, and I look at Dansby Swanson. He's a guy who was I don't want to say a late bloomer because he's been a major leaguer for a long time, but it really wasn't until the last two, maybe three years that he really started to show up offensively and really started to become a threat at the plate. Um, You know, early on, he was just kind of a 250 to 270 hitter. He was bottom of the order kind of bat, good defensively and, and all that, but really wasn't a threat offensively this year. He's starting to really pick it up. So you know, I don't know if teams are going to be scared away by that because it took him till his age 28 season to really hit his prime. Carlos Correa, to me, is is already there. Um, defensively, he's great. He's still got the power. He's got the body to be able to stay at shortstop for a long time. So I agree with Andrew. I think Correa is going to be the guy that is going to walk away with the biggest prize this offseason. I guess I I was, as you guys were making your points about Correa, I I was trying to make a case for Trey Turner, who also got off to a pretty slow start. But I'm going to agree with you guys. Correa, more than any of these guys, has a championship pedigree. And I I know Turner just won. He, uh, excuse me. No, Turner was, I think, with the Nationals in 2020. So so Swanson's the most recent ring winner, you know, of the group. Um, but Correa's been to the dance so many times. Uh, you know, 2017 World Series, controversial, albeit. But he went to the LCS every year after that through last year. So that's five straight times in, in big games. His uh, batting line presently is the most impressive of all of them. He's hitting 304 with a 371 OBP. He's only got five home runs, but slow start. That's four behind Dansby, who has, I think, more than any of them. How many does Xander have, actually? 
Xander has six, yeah. So Dansby has more than anyone. So Correa probably going to be the most expensive of them all. He's the Scott Boris client. Um, although is Turner? I'll find out real quick. I actually don't know. Yeah, who Turner's agents is. CAA, literally on it right now. Yep, CAA Sports. (laughs) Yep, yep. So, okay, so uh, Scott Boris uh, is basically has Correa and uh, Xander Bogarts. So which team, assuming it's Correa, let's go with it, which team is the best fit? for Carlos Correa at this point? It would have to be, you'd have to look at a team that's got money to spend and feels like they're one piece away from contending. So I figure a team like the Angels is always in the mix because Trout and Otani are still there. Um, I think they do want to spend money. They don't have a bona fide shortstop right now. Um you know, I the Yankees are always going to be in play. We, we always know the Yankees don't care about going over the luxury tax. And, you know, they thought Glaber was going to be their future at shortstop. That didn't quite work out. So I think they're in play. Um, in terms of National League teams, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe the Dodgers try to just do a swap. They let Trey Turner go and they bring in Correa. But I don't know if they're going to have the room to do that. That's... <laughs> I mean, there's going over the luxury tax and then there's really going over it. So, um, you know, Giants are in play. The Giants always trying to keep up with with the Dodgers. And Brandon Crawford is going to be 36 next year. I can't imagine he's got many years left. My leading candidate for Correa would be a team like the Angels or the Yankees. I, I think those are probably the two best spots for him because I think those two teams are that one piece away you know, and, and the Yankees, who knows what they'll do this year. They they might not even be a piece away. They might just be there this year. But um, I think a team like the Angels could really use him. The Yankees will sign either Correa or Bogarts this offseason. That's my prediction. Maybe Trey Turner. But I'd say they're going to walk away with one of those two. Because it feels like Judge is gone. Um, I think he's going to price himself out. I think – both parties probably hope that, you know, they win a World Series so it could be a clean, amicable split. But how does New York go in offseason while allowing Glaber to, or Aaron Judge to leave and then you don't replace him with, you know, a marquee free agent in return? You, you have to. And, you know, Carlos Gray is not on the same tier as um, Aaron Judge. Xander, probably not on the same tier as Aaron Judge. But those would be extreme PR moves that would ease the loss of, you know, a six foot seven guy that's hitting maybe 60 home runs this year. It, it helps you get those fans back in the seats if, uh, if you know, Judge does walk. So I, I think the Yankees walk away with uh, – with one of those guys, or uh, I don't even want to get too derailed off this with the major trade, but I think it's going to be one of those, uh, one of those two. That's a strong take. 
Um, I can't see. I can't see Judge leaving the Yankees. I I can't. If he wins the MVP, I don't see how they can't sign him. Let me ask you this. What's Correa going to get versus what's Judge going to get? Correa's probably looking at 300 to 350, I would say, over maybe 12 years, 10, 12 years. That's what he's going to want. I think I think Judge is going to get an insane deal because, I mean, it's going to be an overpay. It's going to probably kill at the end of that deal. But he's probably going to be the most marketable guy outside of Shohei Otani. Um, if he wins the MVP and he hits 60 home runs and you can sell just gobs and gobs of merchandise, you'll get the, you know, the night games on national TV. You'll have more guy, people going, you know, through the turnstiles day in, day out, even in, you know, early April. So I, I think judge, I think he wins the off season. If he stays healthy, if he doesn't get banged up, I, I think he gets by far and away the highest contract anyone's going to get this offseason. Well, he's going to be, what, 32 this offseason? I think just 30, right? Oh, is it? Actually, you're, you're right. Yeah, he turned 30 this year. So next year is essentially his age 31 season. So it's a year off. So a 10-year deal takes him into age 41. I mean, that's Albert Pujols. That's every contract that comes back to haunt you at that point. I can see Correa getting it four years younger. I don't think Bogarts will get more than 10 or 10 even sounds like a stretch, but um, I just, I can't see judge leaving New York. Jason, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I agree with Andrew. I think Judge is probably gone. Um, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I have a weird feeling about it. It's just, I think he's going off this year and, and he's heading out. So um, whether or not he'll get a 10-year deal, it, I'm not sure at, at his age, but nothing would surprise me these days. Contracts are getting more and more ridiculous by the day. So um, I think in terms of dollar value, it depends. If Judge keeps his pace up and he does – either win the MVP or come close to it, maybe a runner-up or something, he's probably going to get more than Correa Um, just because the power, he's going to have more power um, and corner outfield is an easier slot to fill for a lot of teams. So I do think that Judge will get, I think they'll get pretty much close to the same deal, but I think Judge will get a little bit more if he keeps up this pace and, that's a big if because we all know Aaron judges health history and all that. So, uh, but I agree. I think he's gone from New York. And if that means that they decide to bring in Correa to replace him, then I could totally see the Yankees doing something like that. I mean, it's kind of a lateral move in a way, but I just, if he wins the MVP, I don't see how Cashman can do it and not go into witness protection (laughs) right away. Like he's he's kind of sarcastically spoken about how he he has to coexist with everyone else in New York, so that's a big take. Um, I 
Isaiah kind of Falefer, I, I know he's had a decent year, but that's not going to be sustainable. That's not who he is. So they're definitely going to be in the market for a shortstop. I'm just wondering, with the luxury tax way up, can they keep Judge and sign one of those four shortstops? I I don't know what they have uh, coming off the books. Probably nothing major. What may they, you? Yeah, they still have a lot of long term deals that they're saddled with. So, because yeah. even even like Aaron Hicks, his stupid contract, <laughs> yeah. like even he's there till I think twenty twenty four or twenty twenty five. So yeah, it might be tough for them to pull that off. Yeah. The only other thing is, you know, they they waited out DJ LeMahieu. That was the Machado free agent year. And then they went with the value guy. I'm guessing Swanson ends up being the value guy um, out of this group. So we'll see how it goes. I think one of these guys, and you would think it would be Bogarts, but perhaps... Turner with the Dodgers, perhaps Swanson with his Braves. And Swanson, I believe, is from Georgia. Let me double check. Yeah, Kennesaw, Georgia. Yeah, that's well, that's where he went to high school anyway. Oh, uh, he went oh Marietta, Georgia, my bad. But um, so one of these guys is going to look at the market and say, oh, my God, there's just not enough money for all of us. There's not going to be enough teams in play. And I think one of these four, and I should say one of the three, Bogarts, Turner, or Swanson, one of them I think is going to sign with their current team before the season is out. Just as a safety net. Because... They might not have that deal. The team they're with might prioritize one of the other three guys at that point. So, well, I mean, we've seen with the Braves, unless they get an insane discount, I think that rules him out. I mean, we saw what happened to Freddie Freeman, of all people. Uh, you know, they got Albies for pennies, they got Acuna for pennies. Matt Olson, his contract wasn't even that insane. Um, so I don't, I don't see. Turner, you know, breaking open the checkbook. I don't think the Dodgers are too worried about, like, if we let this guy hit free agency, we're going to have to pay top dollar because what do they care? You know, top dollar means nothing. They'll print more. Um, And then it comes down to Correa and Xander. And, I mean, Correa has his built-in two options. That leaves Xander to me, and I i mean, <laughs> Jesus, if he even says the word resign, Scott Boris just like, you know, t- holds court like it's the winter meetings and says absolutely not, no, this, this isn't going to happen. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't see any of these guys signing. I, that's just my thought. I just, I don't know. I, I, I think they all make it. My, my gut tells me it'll be Swanson. If, if any of the four... It's certainly not going to be Correa. Um, you know, if, if between him, Bogarts, and Turner, I think Swanson has the highest probability of taking a deal with his current team. Um, 
again, he was sort of the last one of that group to really, you know, break onto the scene and, and become or be regarded as like a top shortstop in the league. I think he was always sort of middle of the road, maybe above average in some executives eyes, but that, you know, the last two years, he really sprung onto the scene. I, I just have to believe, and I don't, you know, I'm, I don't follow the Braves that closely. I have to believe that they've learned their lesson from, Hey, maybe we shouldn't just let every free agent walk out the door. Like maybe letting Freddie go was a mistake and maybe we should hang on to some of these guys, even if we have to pay a little bit more. So I just, I think Swanson is the most likely, I think Turner is gone. I think Andrew's right. I don't think the Dodgers feel the need to pay top dollar for him. And we've covered Xander Bogarts all year that, you know, the smoke singles are there. The Red Sox front office, in my opinion, is basically telling him they don't want him. Scott Boris is pissed off and he's going to, get him as much money as he can. So I think Xander's gone. Swanson to me is the one I think has the highest chance of staying with his current team and he might sign with Atlanta. Perhaps Swanson will look at it like right now, I just need to cash in while I'm I'm at my peak. And I, I don't know. I don't know really what to expect for a contract with him. I don't think it would be a Matt Olson type deal who got seven or eight years at 167 million. I really don't think it's, it's going to cost that much. And I think the Braves might look at it like, well, geez, that's a huge discount compared to what the other three are going to get. So I, I also feel that if, if one of these guys will sign and perhaps none of them will, as Andrew mentioned, but if one of them does, I'm putting my money on Swanson as well. One other thing to consider though, if we're wrong and Swanson goes to free agency, does that make Scott Boris a little nervous? Like, Oh, great. Now here's another guy that teams might want and view as a discount compared to, you know, any of my two guys, Correa and Bogarts, does another it premium, to, right? I would think. And I mean, Scott's gonna have his goddamn hands full this offseason. I mean, just from Red Sox guys alone, you know, just like, like who you can't pit Xander and Correa against each other. You're gonna be fighting for the same market. Boris has to be fighting for the, you know, like he's praying that the Red Sox throw the bag at Xander or praying that the twins are like, you know what, let's rip this up and do a long-term deal. He can't have these guys going against each other. That's a disaster. He needs LA or New York to bail him out. That's might be his best case scenario. Yeah. It's, it's going to be pandemonium for him. If like, you know, let's say, let's say even Swanson does sign with the Braves, but if Correa, Bogarts and Turner are all on the Yankees radar, and they're negotiating with all three of those guys, and they're trying to negotiate with Boris, be like, okay, well, we want one of these guys, but we have a certain price in mind. He's going to lose his damn mind. So, yeah, he, he's hoping that, like, the Red Sox pony up for Bogarts and that Swanson takes a deal with the Braves, and that way it's like, okay, Correa and Turner, and then he can sort of direct those two in maybe opposite directions. But either way, it's going to be a stressful offseason for him. And, look, People call him the best agent in baseball. So 
he's going to be tested because <laughs> that's that's a tall task he's got ahead of him for sure. You would think, I mean, he said a month ago that Xander absolutely will not sign right now. And that was 24 hours after Xander said he was willing to sign. Well, if a, you know, a, a fair deal in, in Xander's uh, own words were to come up. So I think Boris could be a little delusional, but this is a crowded market and it was a crowded market last year. And the only player who got a mega deal north of 250 million was Corey Seager. And his was actually worth 320 Rangers came in and, and signed that one. Corey Seager is currently batting 224 with a 289 OBP. He does have 13 home runs, but um, not uh, not super robust. He's got a 1.2 war. So Corey Seager right now is looking like the cautionary tale. You see what happens when you load up on one of these premium guys. It it might not work out. So in a way that could be that could be hurting Boris as well, but. Another thing that should bother Scott Boris is Rafi Devers is going off. He's going off and Devers is probably going to get the contract that Boris wants Bogarts to get. So, so there's a ton of things right now working against Scott Boris. Yeah. And honestly, I kind of love to see it because I've, I've said it before. I'm not a Boris guy. He annoys me. Um, I think he intentionally got in the way during during the lockout and tried to continue the lockout as much as possible. Um, so I and I didn't like him before that, but I certainly didn't like him after that. But it will be kind of hilarious to see him, you know, panic a little bit and struggle. Like you said, if Devers continues to go off and he gets this massive mega deal that Boris wanted Bogarts to get, then it's going to be harder for Bogart or for Boris to sell Bogarts to other teams. Cause they go, well, he's not Rafi Devers. So why would we pay him that? And so it, again, he's got a busy off season ahead of him. I do think that there is such a thing as, you know, quote unquote, Boris fatigue as well. I think teams do get fatigued negotiating with him because he is just such a hard liner when it comes to that. So he better be smart because I feel like he might try to overplay his hand a little bit with some of these guys and it may work against him. Another thing too, that should bother Scott Boris is Devers plays all six months hard and productive. Xander tails off a little bit, a little bit of fatigue sets in. Xander's postseason last year was the best he's ever had. It wasn't super great, but he he was a little bit more productive. He's never really before that had a great October. Devers has elite numbers in the month of October. So Boris has all the incentive right now and for Bogarts to take if the Red Sox are going to offer Bogart something north of 150 million. 
I think, I think as disappointing as that might sound, I think Xander has to take it because he might end up having to sign a stupid Correa deal with opt outs and all kinds of stuff. He's just not going to, he's not going to land in the area he wants Bogarts. And on top of all of that, it would be with another team, which he definitely doesn't want. Like Bogart stands to be the biggest loser of that whole class this off season, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think his age is working against him. I think the fact that I think his defense is working against him too, as much as I think Bogart sucks defensively, quote unquote, is kind of an overblown uh, narrative. Uh, he is the worst defensive shortstop of this group. So that's working against him. And yeah, the fact that he historically has bad second halves and tends to tail off in, at the end of the season, teams are going to look at that. And, you know, when they look at these four guys coming up, like Bogart's going to be at the end of the list. So he may end up having to take a shorter term deal. He'll still probably get a good amount of money, but he's not going to get, you know, the, the Brinks truck backing up like he wants to. So it's going to be tough for him. Yeah. And you know, all the people are like, well, you got to just sign Xander. And then you just move him to third. Devers is your DH. What indication has Raphael Devers ever given that he wants to be a DH? He works on his defense every year. It's been damn good this season. No reason to believe at this point that he's not going to get better. Yeah. That's, that's not happening. You're not moving a 26 year old, 27 year old, you know, Raphael Devers still in his prime just a DH because, you know, Xander can't play short. No, Xander would be a DH or you know, a very limited left fielder. I, yeah, I, it's going to be a weird fit because he's not a long-term shortstop. And right now, I mean, arguably the Red Sox don't really have a, a third baseman because York and Myers project to be middle infielders. And there, there has been talk of putting York somewhere in the outfield, but, but Devers, if he wants third base, would probably have it for at least the next six or seven years of whatever deal he signs. So, and I don't think a, a thirty-two or thirty-three-year-old Rafi Devers is going to care a lot if they say, "Hey, you know, we're, we're going to move you to DH at that point because he's got his money anyway." Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And Xander will be long retired by that point. Third, I mean, that's seven years from now. <laughs> yeah, he'll be at least a couple of years uh, in retirement. But yeah, so all right, I guess we'll wrap on that. We just wanted to kind of kind of do a status update of what the market was going to be and how these guys are playing. And um, we'll, uh, I'm sure... These are going to be topics that get brought up throughout the year regardless. But everyone have a good rest of your weekend. We'll be back uh, on Monday morning for your commute to discuss what uh, took place in the St. Louis Cardinals series. Take care.